on, um, I think it was Wednesday morning. I was listening to a podcast by Brene Brown and she was, she recorded it on election day. And so it was like just the next day. And she was talking about Roshi Joan Halifax, who's a wonderful teacher. And she, uh, Roshi Joan has a, a meditation and a teaching she calls strong back, soft front. If you're familiar with that, it's really uh, beautiful. It's a way of developing, she calls it equanimity. The strong back is this, this steadiness, this equanimity. And then the soft front is this compassion and vulnerability. In fact, she has a, a, a like a meditation that says, on your inhale, gather your attention. On your exhale, drop into the body and shift your attention to your spine. Your back exemplifies equanimity, being present for whatever is unfolding right now. Strong back. And then shift your attention to your chest. Rest in this willingness to open to compassion. Soft front. Strong back. Soft front. Equanimity. Compassion. I like that. Yeah, it's really sweet. It's really nice. It's really simple. It's not easy. It's like I was doing the, 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 the retreat today. Right now it's like this. It's that ability to maintain a steadiness, but not an armor. You know, this, the back right. is not rigid. The back's not, you know, geared up to punch whatever comes. It's, it's holding um, a place of integrity, a place of, of steadiness, and yet you keep your front open and to whatever shows up, um, it's not about, you know, it's about soft compassion. Because this, 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 this practice is about wisdom. Equanimity is wisdom, is seeing clearly what's going on and being with it. And then the compassion is, is having an open heart, an undefended heart. You know, um, and it's important because often our strength comes from a reactivity of fear you know that that rigidity that constricted place and that feels like strong that feels like strength that armor that we build to take care of ourselves whatever whatever um shape that armor takes whether it's um you know indifference or uh, anger or dismissiveness or However, we've learned to take care of ourselves and it's not because we sit down to plan it, but it's just it just develops from protecting ourselves. It makes sense that we want to protect ourselves from hurt and pain and being re-hurt or, you know, re, uh, you know, further abuse from what we've experienced in our lives. But that armoring is a false front. It, it, we think we're taking care of ourselves, but um, we're not. Um, uh, Brene Brown was because it was her podcast. She was talking about this, and she says that an armored front, armored front, sounds good, but it causes so much more pain. It causes right. us this. It's a separate. It's a separation. Um, the armor is a way we keep ourselves from others. We think because we're in service of protecting ourselves and making ourselves safe. But we're just cutting ourselves off from everything and everyone. And I know that from my experience, thinking that if I, you know, put up this front, 
than of little Mary Sunshine and everybody would like me and everything would be okay. And it was just so miserable because it's fake and it's hard to maintain that false narrative. Um, you know, it was really hard because then it was like, uh, you lose yourself and there's no connection because people can sense that you're not being authentic or the relationships I had with people wouldn't go past a certain point. You know, it would be very shallow. I had a million acquaintances and no friends. Um, I mean, I had a couple of friends, but not really. Um, it was really hard. You had to get me drunk to really know what was going on. It's, it's true. My, in fact, my roommate told me that. She goes, I, I never know what's going on with you unless you're drunk. And I'm like, oh. And what I said was, don't drink in front of her again. Because I was like horrified that she would know what was going on inside. Because I thought it, I just had to keep it hidden. I, I don't know why. It was just something I was so afraid of. And it's, um, it's so lonely in there. And vulnerability is, was, was one of the scariest, scariest, um, scariest words. I think I'd ever heard, especially as far as personal, me being vulnerable. And I remember compassion, not even getting compassion. I remember when I was first doing yoga God, years ago. And the at the end of Shavasana, if you do yoga at the end of class and you, you, you rest in Shavasana. And then at the end of that, the teacher had us roll onto our sides and he said, just stay here for a moment. Um, and this is a this is a pose of compassion for yourself. And I was like, what does that even mean? Compassion for self. I was clueless because that armor just doesn't let anything in, doesn't let anything out. So and it, it, there was no room for being kind to ourselves, being kind to myself. So it sounds good. It sounds like we're protecting ourselves. And that we're we're shielding ourselves, but it's not. It's such a place of of being alone. And and um, uh, Brene Brown talks about that. She because she writes about vulnerability um, a lot and shame. And she says vulnerability is the birthplace of love, of joy, of trust, of intimacy, of courage, and everything I want more of in my life. Which, which, you know, is what I, I think you find when you move through this practice of being open to whatever comes, not turning, not shutting off anything. There's more, um, there's more aliveness because you don't have to hide from anything. You can experience everything with this steadiness of this solid back, this equanimity that's built with this, the, coming from this place of wisdom and this, it's almost a, a, a sense of safety to a certain extent of being able to rest in the, um, uh, take refuge in the Dharma. It's actually about taking refuge in the Dharma, saying this is the way it is, taking refuge both in the teachings and in the way it is right now that okay just i just trust the unfolding trust how life unfolds trust awareness trust what's right here we don't get there overnight though it takes a while it takes practice it takes this you know as i talked about earlier today this willingness to strip away our dependency on um 
our grand ideas, our grand scheme of things and how 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 you're supposed to behave and how they're supposed to behave and what's supposed to happen. You know, when I was talking about this the other day or last week, it was like, I'll only be happy if Tuesday turns out the way I want it to turn out, you know. Oh, and and it's just Tuesday, as my friend said, you know, what do you do on Monday? You chop wood and carry water. And what do you do on Wednesday? You chop wood and you carry water. You know, we make these these grand uh, uh, creations and storylines that we then invest so much into. And so that's a wobbly place because we're so dependent on outside circumstances for our ease and our, um, our, our happiness. Because there can be happiness in spite of. There can be happiness even if uh, things don't go the way we want them to go. Um, you know, it's really important to recognize that. So this willingness to develop this strong back, this equanimity, this, this letting go of our, our, our greatest desires and our pets and, um, things we hold so near and dear that we've nurtured that don't serve, you know, um, it's terrifying when you think about having to put those down to, you know, for I've said this so many times before, but for me, sarcasm was such a, such a, 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 a I want to say a tool I had, but it, for me, it was a way of belonging because growing up in New York City, being sarcastic was how you move through the world. And I was really good at it. And I was really funny. So I fit in and then you move to California and they say, it's not really how people move through the world out here. So um, uh, I found people were hurt by what I said and would cry. And I'm like, what? No, no. And so I had to be willing to let it go. And it took me years, years because uh. I it was so much a part of my identity that I had said, who will I be without this? Who will I be if I let this go? But my resting in the, um, the teaching, the refuge in the Dharma and the Dharma of the Eightfold Path and not causing harm, first precept, and being wise with my speech, sarcasm and harsh speech not 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 recommended and so okay if i'm gonna take up this um this way of life this practice i have to be willing to let go practice renunciation also part of the eightfold path because holding on causes suffering letting go is freedom so i was able to let go of that sarcasm for the most part and the liberation. Now I don't have to. I'm not. I'm not tied to that identity. That view of myself is gone, and so I don't need to show up that way in order to be accepted. I, in order to have a sense of belonging, um, 
And so it's and it's been true with a lot of things that I've I've experienced in my life. That's just one of them. But, you know, the, the identity of me as an archaeologist, because that was cool. And who will I be if I'm not cool? And because that's the only cool thing I have to hold on to. And I need to be cool so people will like me. And these these gyrations we go through in our minds and. And Brene Brown talks about this as well. She talks about true belonging, which I, that's another book I haven't read of hers, but she talked about in this podcast. She says it's, um, it's the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness and being part of something and standing alone as well. You don't, True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are, just to be authentic. And that's the opening up, the, 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 um, the honesty. That's the compassion and the, the, the vulnerability that this soft front is about. So if you are, have this, this place of landing of wisdom and equanimity, and then you can also develop this this compassionate front, this vulnerable front. Um, we can risk that softness, you know, that compassion. Um, that's a powerful place to be in a place that's present and wise and kind and doesn't cause harm. And it's truly liberating because you don't have to wear any mask. It's not lonely because when you can be your own self, you can belong anywhere because you just show up. I don't need you to like me. That's such a painful place. That's such a painful place. Having spent the whole great portion of my life. Anybody else? Having spent a large portion of your life going, do they like me? Do they? You know that 100 people in a room, 99 like you, one doesn't. Who do you think about? Right. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> totally. Totally. So that's not, you know, it's not, there's a such freedom, such freedom. It's painful to let go of, to, to see that that's just such self-absorption and self-cherishing, self-cherishing, not in the taking care of yourself way, but, oh, I'm so dear and I need to just, you know, take care of myself. Um, we have to, uh. we have to, um, um, let go of that um, thinking that um, life has to follow a certain script because it's not gonna it's just not gonna it's that eight worldly winds that are just going to knock us over and if we can have that strong back and 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 stand solid on our ground but soft and take whatever shows up you know, the praise and the blame and the gain and the loss and the pleasure and the pain, you know, that that is so liberating because we belong wherever we are. We belong wherever we are. It's that it's that teaching of the Buddha on his awakening when Mara was like going after him and saying, nah, and finally sending his Mara's sending his armies after the Buddha, the 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 sent the, the the lust and the hatred the armies and the the um the craving and he's like I see you Mara I see you and then Mara shows up with doubt and says who do you think you are and Buddha said I am that's all I need 
There's no need to justify. I don't have to say I belong because. So we can let go of the justification. This is one of the one of the the beauties of this practice. That's that's why I love that one sutta so much where um you know Pasanadi the king and his wife were talking about how they are more dear to themselves than anyone and the Buddha said um when the king related to the Buddha he said yes all beings find themselves dear and just as we recognize that we're dear to ourselves all beings are dear to themselves therefore we would never hurt another you know it's 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 amazing it's amazing it's a not an easy place to get to but it's absolutely the only place to be uh, for this freedom for this belonging for this joy for this world of compassion and kindness and steadiness and wisdom and again, we don't become doormats, and we don't um, um, we don't um, acquiesce. I love that when I realize that acceptance doesn't mean acquiescence. It doesn't mean we give in. We are kind and loving and firm, and absolutely firm, and say, you know what, this isn't right, and we need to do what needs to be done to end the things that aren't right and are causing harm. So there, that's where you walk into social, social um, activism and social justice has a part when you go, no, this isn't right and it's a call to action. But you can still have that and still have this wisdom, this clarity of seeing and compassion. So the equanimity and the compassion, the strong back and the soft front. Um, and, and I love this that Brene Brown says, and going along with that no need to justify who you are or you the justify that you belong she said stop wa- walking through the world looking for confirmation that we don't belong cuz we'll always find it because we've made it we've made it our mission stop looking at people's faces for evidence we're not enough cuz we'll find it yeah. true belonging and self-worth are not goods we don't negotiate their value you know the the truth about our who we are lives in our hearts. So, yeah, and our our call to courage, and this is a this this teaching is a teaching of courage. You know, to recognize that there's fear, but we do what needs to be done anyway. That fear is what armors us, and we can have the fear without allowing it to harden. Us. We can recognize the, the pain or the, 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 the grief without allowing it to harden because we know we have this strong back that we're supported by. We don't have to run away. Yeah. So, let me see if there's anything else. Um, yeah, we just have to take and we have to make sure we take care of ourselves as well. Um, there was this yeah. other, there was this other, um, story she told about when she first, when Brene Brown first met Roshi Joan, they were doing a, a Ted talk thing together and they were at the tech rehearsal. And when they were finished, um, Brene Brown said to Roshi Joan, well, I guess I'll see you at the meet and greet. And Roshi Joan said, oh no, I'm going to my room. I'll see you later tonight at the thing. And, um, and 
Roshi Jones said to Brene Brown, you should go back to your room too. And Brene said, I would love that more than anything, but I feel guilty. I think I should go to this thing, even though I don't want to. And um, Roshi Jones said to her, she said, there is the in-breath and the out-breath. And it's easy to believe that we must exhale all the time without ever inhaling. But the inhale is absolutely, absolutely essential if you need to, if you want to continue to exhale. And she said, we're going to go tonight and we're going to teach and we're going to exhale. But right now we need to inhale. And I like that. I really like that. Um, The inhale and the exhale, the inhale and the exhale. We have to take care of ourselves. It's that balance. You know, it's not all one side or the other. It's the middle way. That's what the Buddha talked about. So that's why we have to, you know, when Thich Nhat Hanh says we guard, we guard our senses. We, the Buddha talks about guarding the senses, but Thich Nhat Hanh talks about watching what we consume. And I've talked about this a lot lately because there's all that, that crap flying through um, social media, like you were, Michael, you were saying you weren't listening to social media because of all the, the, the ugh, I can't listen to this. And I watched myself this week. I stayed off social media, really, for the most part. And then every once in a while, I would go on and it'd be fine. And then I'd start reading something by friends talking about, and I would feel my anxiety level rising, 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 rising. And I'm like, this is unnecessary. This is absolutely unnecessary, and so I jump right off again because that I wasn't taking care of myself. That was like false, false anxiety. It was like generating it myself. That didn't need to be there. Any, any, any feelings of concern will come on their own. I don't need to 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 fan the flames. So anyway, uh, strong back, soft front. It's really I think a helpful teaching to just remember to just rest in these teachings, taking refuge in the Dharma, and and being willing to be vulnerable, to be willing to let go of our stories and our fixed ideas. In fact, letting go of fixed ideas is one of the things that happen as we move into stream entry. So it's all on the path to liberation, enlightenment. So anyway, that's kind of all I have this evening. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.